Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Broker Breakdown. Uh, I'd like to welcome back Mike. Mike has come back from sunny Florida, and uh, yeah, tr- how was your trip, Mike? Really good, really good. A lot of lot of uh, beauty weather, as you kind of expect. Um, a little poolside, a couple of a uh, couple of little kind of family trips sprinkled in there over a couple of days, and uh, just nice to kind of rejuvenate and uh, come back. Well, you were in Florida. I was up in Muskoka actually golfing on the Saturday. And I think you were coming back Saturday. But um, yeah, the weather up there was like fantastic. Like we were golfing like midday. And like I wore pants just because I like to wear pants when I'm golfing. Um, But yeah, I felt like it was like midsummer. I felt it was like July. Like it was like it was almost it was hot enough where I was like really contemplating. I'm like, wow, I really should have brought a pair of shorts today because I am dying like i was like sweating on the course and it was like i said first week of may like especially up in muskoka like you can't ask for better weather Mm-mm. and that's in this time of the year is so hit and miss for us normally it was actually so there was two holes we played at a course called north granite ridge it's in port sydney so if you ever get a chance i always recommend that course because it's such a nice course um for kind of being up there and for a Muskoka course, it's actually pretty reasonable as well, uh, price wise. But um, and it's higher up, and it's in like the rocks and stuff. So there was there was two holes out of the eighteen that were a little bit wet. Um, one because there was a pond on one of them, so I think the pond obviously like probably overflowed during the winter and made the area wet. But there was the other one was weird because it was a higher elevation hole in kind of into the hill, and I felt like it was just kind of sloped um differently than the rest of the hole like one part of the fairway and i guess like all the water running down from the hill kind of ran down that area and kind of okay yeah but other than that like i said i thought the course was almost dry like like i felt like it probably almost needed like a few good like rainfalls because there was a few areas where i'm like wow the grass is already either like dying or dead in certain areas so yeah um, you know what we haven't had a lot of rain this spring to be honest no, and we need to because we can't go like we did last year where like all like last summer was great, but the problem was we never got rain. So like the courses last year, like by midsummer were just atrocious unless they had like irrigation systems. Right. But again, there were certain areas that actually were like putting on like water, um, like stoppages, like you couldn't use water for like personal use unless it was like really like needed in certain areas in Ontario because there wasn't like we had no rain at all last year. So I hope it doesn't get to that point again because last year to golf like midsummer, it was getting uh, no matter what course you played at, if it was like a good course or like a, just a regular municipal course, like it was some courses just were not um, dry or were not wet and uh, pristine like they normally are throughout a, lot, a few summers prior. So hopefully we just right, don't get to right. that point again. Yeah, agreed, agreed. But going to this week's episode, we have a really juicy episode for this week because it is a massive talking point I've seen in a lot of groups and a lot of networks I'm a part of online. And um, again, just a lot of companies are kind of cracking down on what we've seen for theft uh, in vehicles over the last, I don't know, three years, probably since COVID started and kind of ended. But um with a lot of companies kind of putting this stance on auto theft and doing what they call this tag prevention system, which we'll get into later, which basically better tracks vehicles in the, in the event of them being stolen. 
Um, and I know a lot of people are going to have their opinions on it. We're going to have our own opinions on it, but because it is such a huge talking point right now, some of the biggest insurance companies in Canada have come out in the last week or two, um, kind of saying that they're supporting this and they're going to be implementing a system with tag. Um, and we'll kind of get into what tag is and they've actually been used in other provinces, um, for the same exact scenario for car theft. So we'll get into all that first, but I think the first thing will be is uh, kind of just talking what tag is, Mike. Yeah, and you know what? Prior to even talking about this stuff, I I was completely clueless. I know you kind of have been uh, a little more in tune with the technology and what it means for consumers. I I am uh, I'm obviously way way newer to this technology. Yeah, so basically all it is is basically just like a like a, a tracking system that you put in your vehicle that basically they're saying is an anti jamming technology. So it, like from how other GPS and other tracking systems you might put in your vehicle, like either from the dealer or aftermarket uh, tag is basically saying that this robust and secure communication, it has um, maximum reliability. So they're saying that they it can't be jammed. It can't like, it can't be like people that are stealing vehicles. They can't go and intercept these um, like, I guess radio waves that are going to uh, tags, head office or headquarters and not be tracked basically if a vehicle is stolen. So it's interesting to kind of see and kind of to look and obviously we're going to have to um, learn about this technology as well because it is new because usually um, people either they come uh, when they buy a vehicle, they either just get whatever prevention that's in the vehicle already whatever tracking system or whatnot's in the vehicle already they might go out and do like aftermarket i know a lot of like the clients that i have or uh people that are in the group that i'm in for the truck groups and stuff and whatnot they 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 do aftermarket uh tracking systems or a lot of people have done kill switches now i know a lot of people that have been doing trucks have been getting into the kill switches so it'll just be a kind of another um system that people are going to be getting into so um, on their and, website, actually, Mike, it says on average, a car is stolen every six minutes in Canada. That is insane. Yeah. I was actually looking at something earlier this morning. Um, and it was sourced in, in this one article I was reading that said in 2021, and this was just auto thefts alone in Ontario, but we were looking at it cost over $400 million in theft claims alone in Ontario. And that was 2021. Uh, 2022 numbers are still kind of trickling in, obviously, because claims can take a long time and obviously all the data has got to be kind of collected there. But Ontario is in and around the $600 million in theft claims uh, in 2022. So, I mean, that's what is that? That's going to be another 33% higher than it was the, the year before just on theft claims alone. And I know we've chatted about this in previous episodes. I was going to say, we did, a, we did an episode on theft and whatnot a, f- a few months ago. So this is kind of a, almost like an update. Up, yeah, almost like an update to that episode, but kind of like what is going on now, like how the markets and how insurance companies and how even government, because we're going to get into that in a second too, how they're kind of trying to crack down on this kind of like obviously theft, right? Yeah, I mean, historically speaking, you know the the what they call like the theft category of your insurance policy, so fire and theft or, or comprehensive, has always been relatively inexpensive in comparison to its 
you know, counterpart collision, right? Fire and theft is always the cheaper of the two. It's ones that you would typically put on a lot of different vehicles, regardless of age or or um, even value, James, because it didn't cost as much. And I mean, those numbers alone, the 400 million to 600 million jump in a one-year period, I mean, insurance companies are going to have to combat that. So I'm guessing t- this, you know, the tag program, tag technology is implemented to, you know, to obviously cut down these costs for the insurance companies. We've already seen that insurance companies already through the first part of this year, they've already have been, every insurance company has basically come out and said that they're taking rate increases. Um, but I think this is just another kind of way that they're not going to take as much of an increase as they would have, because if they didn't, if they don't do something like this and they don't do some preventative measures, like realistically, all it's going to happen is year over year over year until the government steps in, which they've sort of done, which we'll get into that in a second. All that's going to happen is that comprehensive coverage is going to continue to skyrocket because it's that's what's really being paid out. Like obviously, there's accidents still on the road. Don't get me wrong, but the amount of um, theft claims and re- realistic comprehensive claims in general have just continued to go up and up and up. So they got to they got to stop it somehow and try to at least prevent it from continuing to skyrocket before it gets really out of hand. Well, and the one thing that I was thinking about. Um was that in general, new vehicle prices have been going up as well, right? So as technology comes out and we have more of that in these new vehicles that that people are buying, when that vehicle is stolen, it's just costing more to replace than it was, you know, even even 20 years ago, right? The I mean the average the average price of a vehicle has gone up. There's not I don't have a number in front of me or anything like that, but I know that it's obviously more than what that same average vehicle would have been for somebody 20 years ago because obviously the technology in the vehicles was was vastly less. Well, even in five years, like just for example, the truck that I drive, um, five years ago, I could buy a base model, I don't know, a base model Ram 1500 for like 35, 40 grand. Nowadays, you can't even get that for like 50 grand now. That's literally just five years ago, right? So we've seen a massive increase like nowadays like if you get like a high-end or higher-end model truck like you're easily in the 90 to a hundred thousand dollar range there like it's 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 just getting it's it's getting up there where it's like these these trucks specifically because they're so popular in canada are almost becoming like not even like affordable for like most people now right right yeah so it's i mean the the theft the theft thefts obviously are not going to stop um, I think the insurance company's point of view is how do we kind of limit that bleeding, right? To say, you know, if there are specific parts that are stolen or there's trends that we can get ahead of, you know, how do we basically stop that from from paying out on, you know, $100,000 theft claims, especially if that number just keeps rising, right, over the years? Well, going back to kind of the stats that you were saying earlier, I actually have a, an article up here from Aviva, and this is more towards like commercial vehicles. So they kind of did a stat, like a national stat from 2021 and 2022. Now, 2022, they only did until October, so they're missing two months of the year. But um, you can obviously see from these stats, they're kind of alarming. But from 2021, they kind of break down like between three categories in the commercial world. So they call it bulk fleet, which is in Aviva's world, more than five vehicles, garage auto and non-fleet, which is less than five vehicles. Um, so from 2021, you basically have, 
Like, let's say, for example, let's go for Bulk Fleet. Bulk Fleet, they said they had 660,000 um, national claims when it came to Bulk Fleet policies. Now, moving towards 2022, and like I said, um, taking into consideration, this is not including November or December, so these numbers would be higher if they included these two months left. From that same same time frame of 2021, just moving into 2022, that Bulk Fleet claims went from $660,000 to $2.7 million in a year span. So basically, I don't know, what's that? Almost five times the amount of claims in a year span, Mike? Yeah. And that's just yeah. commercial That's just commercial vehicles. We're not even talking personal lines at this point. So you got to think, how much personal lines claims have they seen, right? Which I, I, I couldn't find anything. They haven't released any stats for that yet. But... This is, like I said, this is literally just from just from one company, Aviva, which is again is one of the biggest companies in Canada. So in a one year span, they basically had a five times, probably even I would probably even say six times because, like I said, they're not including November or December in these stats. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's staggering, right? The, the I mean, I, I don't know further insight as to like where these are all going if they're all just being shipped off offshore sort of thing but um obviously there is a group of people that have found it to be pretty profitable right in, in order to get into car thefts well if we look back at our trusty resource of knowledge the canadian underwriter uh, they have an article from may 5th that actually we'll kind of get into this later but um talking about how the, the ontario government is going to be investing money into kind of countering the rise of auto theft um but Later on that article, they basically, if you scroll down a little bit at the end there, um, they basically are saying that within 12 hours of your vehicle being stolen, it basically, like, let's say, let's take example, Toronto, within 12 hours, your vehicles from Toronto, those it's basically most of the time, I'm not saying every time, but majority of the time if your vehicle stolen, stolen in Ontario, it is shipped out to the port of Montreal and on a car, like on a, like one of those cargo containers and they're out of the country within 12 hours right right like that's so fast and like right here about 9500 cars were stolen throughout toronto last year just toronto right yeah when you break that down i just want i'm just interested now to see over a year span that's an average of about 26 cars a day yep now, I mean, Toronto is a big, big territory. Depending on how far you want to expand out from there, yeah, they but, don't really, they don't really say. They they just say throughout Toronto. So what that kind of borderline is, or what they're kind of saying that geographical area of Toronto really is, is obviously a question mark. But it's still like you're looking at that ninety five hundred cars stolen in, in just Toronto last year. Like that is that is insane. Well, you know, the one thing about this too is with that many cars being stolen every day and obviously the the overall rise of crime, I think in general, you know, policing resources are probably stretched thin already, right? I mean, it's hard to say if you got 26 stolen car claims or calls even a day saying, hey, my vehicle's been stolen. You might not even know depending if you're at work or on vacation or whatever it might be. If you add that up every day, there's just not enough resources to focus in on like, you know, can we actually find this vehicle? I wonder if there's, 
you know, just a stance where if it's not found by, you know, X time, it's basically just written off, right, to law enforcement. But I don't know what that would be. Yeah, and like, we, I don't really want to get into the politics of it because that's like a whole other story on it. But it's just, yeah, it just, there there needs to be something done. And like, even from this article, um, the Ontario government, they're saying, is going to be investing about $51 million into kind of countering the rise of auto theft. So basically what they're right. saying is there's going to be basically like three kind of things that they're going to be targeting. So they're creating an organized crime, crime towing and auto theft team led by the OPP. So the Ontario provincial police. Yep. Um, they're creating a new major auto theft uh, precaution response team. So whatever that means and a new community safety grant that targets auto theft. Again, who I, who knows what, what that even means. Well, yeah, I mean, these types of things are typically initiatives brought out for communities and different things that are going to be done. I mean, it's obviously a little bit more of a longer term play. So when there's actually specifics on stuff, you know, at that point, we'll find out once it's been actually like published or or more of um, uh, more of like a, a newsletter coming down the pipeline, right, from the insurance companies. But obviously, there's got to be there's going to have to be more onus taken on the insurance companies it sounds like to say hey there's so many stolen vehicles what can we do from our side to hopefully prevent these monster payouts because they're also saying this article too across the nation auto thefts uh cost well over a billion dollars last year it's actually interesting i was just thinking because you know on on home insurance policies there's special limits of insurance in place for specific things right that are lost or stolen so things like typically like money jewelry arts stuff like that James where there's you could have um sought after pieces that are very expensive i wonder if like even down the road those sort of things happen with auto insurance too right where it's like hey depending on what the value of your vehicle is you know, there there are coverages available to either A, buy up, or we're only going to cover X number of dollars for a thing. Because like like you were saying earlier, there, and like we were chatting about, there's so many vehicles that are so expensive now. How, how What's to know that there's not maybe some, some, even some fraud going on, right? With people like having their vehicle stolen per se, right? It's hard, it to, hard, it's hard to know. It happens all the time, man. Like, I don't know anyone personally, but... Like I hear rumblings all the time that people like can't afford like their payments on their vehicle anymore. So they, all they do is they just get someone to steal it, go and torch it. And it happens a lot in Hamilton because we're, um, we're right in like, a, like you basically drive out of Hamilton, like 45 minutes South and there's nothing out there, but fields. Right. So you just take it out to the, the farmland and they just torch the vehicle or they dump it somewhere and they never can get found. Right. So it's not like, an it's not like it's, an unheard thing happen because I've heard a lot of times that people just do that because again, with the price of living going up and everything increasing, like people just can't afford their vehicles. So they're taking extreme measures and I'm not saying everyone does it, but there's obviously going to be those bad apples that obviously commit fraud and, and do things they shouldn't be doing. Right. Well, that's kind of what my point was going to be too, right? Like on home insurance, there are things that are, are in place to kind of prevent the payout from a fraud example, especially more sought after praised items. But it would be it would be interesting to know if the insurance companies behind the scenes have, have viewed that on the car side, right? Because if theft claims continue to go up, you can bet there's going to be things changing from an underwriting perspective or 
uh, a payout perspective in order to help compensate that on the insurance company side, right? It, it, it's just a matter of time, in my opinion. Before we get in more depth on the insurance side of things, I kind of want to raise the question. Do you think there should be more onus on these manufacturers as well to kind of to try to do something? If they're seeing that these vehicles are being stolen a lot throughout Canada, it's not like it doesn't happen in the States as well. But like, do you think manufacturers should also hold some sort of responsibility in doing this and maybe like creating a better kind of tracking system or like anti like like theft system or more security in these vehicles than there already are? Yeah, you know, it, it's it's a tough question to answer because I, my mind immediately went to, well, if you put in more technology in order to help from a manufacturer perspective, the only way to obviously kind of increase that is to then put, make the purchase price more. So you're going to have to basically, the vehicles are going to have to cost more to the consumer because you're getting these, these the add-ons or these value propositions. At the end of the day, if a vehicle is stolen and a, and a client has to A, go through insurance or B, pay for it out of pocket and, and buy a new vehicle, my mind immediately went to, well, the manufacturers really don't have to worry or care about it, James, because it just means that another vehicle is being sold from their lot, right? Yeah, that's so, the issue, right? But realistically, I'm, how much more is a vehicle going to cost? Because nowadays, if you're buying a brand new vehicle, look how much tech is in it already. So what it, like, what it, would it really cost to put in a little bit more security in a vehicle like that, right? Yeah, I, 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 I see your point. I guess that my counter would be, why, why do they have to care? They don't. That's the thing, right? Because what you just said, realistically, if a, if a vehicle stolen it's already paid for from them or like it's being financed or whatnot. So realistically, if it gets stolen, the insurance company is going to pay out the rest of the financing and then they're just going to buy a new vehicle. Right. So it's right to them. Like, do they want to look like a good, like the good guy and, and try to help out? Yes. But realistically, are they going to play the villain and like, does it really matter to them? Probably. Cause why are they going to invest more money into something that really to them doesn't like, it doesn't really matter realistically to them to, as a well, manufacturer. And the buck stops with the insurance company because if a client has a claim and, and needs to get a payout in order to cover for that theft claim, insurance is paying for that and then giving them a check in some sort of fashion and they're going to buy a new vehicle. So, so the question would be, does the client value further technology from the manufacturer with respect to stolen stuff? And I think you'd be hard pressed to find people that actually truly care. You might find a couple that say, yeah, like I buy vehicles because... You know, I want the the most high end. I guess safety is a big thing, but to say like, "Hey, you got to spend next year, I don't know, two or five grand from a theft perspective." I mean, we're. I don't think we're in that. I don't think we're in that landscape yet from a no, consumer. Spot. I don't think. I don't think so either at all. Because realistically, all people are going to do is if they're really concerned, they're just going to go aftermarket. Like I said, they're either going to go aftermarket and get their own tracking system in it, or they're going to go get get a kill switch in it. Right? Like that's they're not going to spend thousands of dollars when they can go out and do this for maybe like a few hundred dollars and maybe a thousand dollars max. Right? Like yeah, they'd rather do right. it themselves and put the peace of mind in themselves instead of going to a manufacturer and paying two, three, four, five thousand dollars for them to do it and come from the factory that way. The only way that that kind of stuff would would come down the pipeline to be effective is if it was specifically linked to like certain partnerships with insurance companies where if you have like a certain type of vehicle, 
and it's with XYZ insurance company, you're getting significantly better rates on maybe your your you know comprehensive or collision because of those safety features. But that has to then come back to how does that affect the insurance policy and what is the company behind the scenes paying out for that type of vehicle, right? So it, there's so many levels or elements to that that uh, I mean, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Not at all. Not at all. But let's move on to the how this kind of breaks down from a from the insurance side of things. So, um, like, I don't know. Like, where do you where do you want to start this? Like, do you want to kind of do you want to go? You know what? Let Let's just. I know you didn't want to. I'm a little bit more edgy. I'm just gonna flat out say it. The two companies that are really just are, are I've come out that we work with anyways are Intact and Aviva, and they have very very different kind of views on um, what they're going to be doing with the tag program. And actually, you know what? Let me kind of backtrack a little bit. The tag program actually has been in Quebec for many years, and they've implemented it, and they've actually seen a, a large decrease in car theft since it's been implemented. So honestly, to me, like it honestly makes sense that they're gonna if they're they're gonna move it into Ontario because Ontario is having a massive problem with it. But Mike, Intact and Aviva are actually taking, from what I'm reading, anyways, are taking very different stands on this whole tag system and what they're gonna offer to their clients, which right. was kind of shocking to me because realistically, like I thought. If it was coming from the Insurance Bureau of Canada, I thought most companies would have been on board and kind of done like a very similar thing with every company, right? Because if every company does the same thing, that it's not going to like obviously like benefit or hurt other clients if you're with a company A or if you're with company B. But it looks like from what I'm reading, um, it looks like they're taking very different stands on it. And Aviva actually yeah. has come out with a list of vehicles, which I can read. Um, that they've actually targeted saying that these are the high risk vehicles. So I know we were talking about this prior, but mm. um, some of them on this list include like the Lexus RX 350, the Range Rover, the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the Toyota Highlander, the Honda CRV, the Ford F-150, and my personal favorite, because I drive this vehicle, the Dodge Ram 1500. So Yeah, yeah, right. You, you know what? The, what I'll start by saying is that it doesn't surprise me that some of the larger carriers or insurance providers jump on jump onto a program like this because obviously the larger ones are going to have that many more clients that have the potential to have theft claims that they're obviously paying out they also have you know much deeper pockets that can invest in technology and in further you know implementation of a program like this where it says, listen, we've looked at the numbers last year. We've looked at the numbers over the last five years, 10 years, 20 years. We can tell you, you know, very specifically which vehicles are stolen more often, how much we're paying out for those. Like they have all those numbers, James, behind the scenes for sure. So it doesn't surprise me that they're going to have kind of be first to market on this, at least in the Ontario space. What will be interesting to see to answer your other comment on you know taking maybe different approaches, is that something we see in the insurance industry all the time is when change does come to an industry, it's usually led, you know, by one, two, or three companies that's kind of forward thinking and that's saying, like, yo, we have to address this at some point. 
And then the other companies jump on board in their own fashion on their kind of own timeline as well. But everyone follows suit, right? We saw that with COVID for a couple of different things. It's going to happen with this as well, but every company is going to bring out its own procedure on what they look at, um, how much they want to invest in something like this, and and really what what are they going to be saving on the back end when it comes to theft claims? That's going to be the big portion of this. Exactly. 100%. So um, I know other companies that we don't deal with I've kind of done the same thing, like from not a broker channel, more like I would say the direct writers. There's been a few companies that have already come out and said the same thing. They're going to be going towards this tag system that uh, a lot of companies are using. But um, Aviva, this is kind of the interesting thing that I wanted to kind of bring up in this point. And I don't want to obviously sound um, that I'm going to throw a company under the bus, but unfortunately it's going to sound this way. Aviva is basically saying that they are going to install it free of charge for any clients. But then if you move over to Intact, this is where I love this part. Intact, you'll have to pay a $250 install fee before your renewal. So whenever your renewal date is. Um, and if you don't, if you don't comply, this is the best part, Mike. If you don't comply... Any of the high-risk vehicles that they deem are high-risk, you will have an additional $500 premium surcharge on your renewal for each vehicle listed above. That, like that's, that's, where, that's the kicker for me, is that you have one company in Aviva saying that they're going to do it free of charge, no surcharges if you don't do it. As of yet, we don't know. These things obviously can change month to month, depending on how the program goes, right? But then you get a company like Intac, which is arguably the biggest insurance company in Canada, basically saying, you have to pay the $250 install fee. And if you don't do it, we're going to surcharge every vehicle you have that's a high-risk vehicle deemed by us by an additional $500 in premium. Right. You know what? I, it's it's definitely a hard stance. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if down the road, maybe that changes or if that's just an initial kind of way to adopt a policy. Um, the, the the interesting thing about that is that obviously, you know, a lot of clients from an individual perspective, if they have a high risk theft vehicle that's maybe deemed on a certain list, the kind of unfortunate thing is that usually as a client, you wouldn't know what that is and or you wouldn't really care, right? Um, if you have a vehicle you want to get a favorable rate for your driving record. I think everyone agrees that's typically the most um, important thing with most regular personal personal drivers in Ontario. But to kind of round out there, I, I just wanted to say that it it'll be interesting to see if that actually holds and or if that you know deters certain people from uh, maybe renewing the policy or if it ends up being you know. Uh, an incentive that makes sense. I mean, if you have a high value vehicle that you actually are concerned of theft and it, it, it costs a little bit to have that installed and that's part of maybe an underwriting requirement moving forward, it's kind of, it's definitely a bummer. But at the end of the day, um, I, I think some people will be okay with it. I think others will will kind of make their own decisions on that, James, for sure, on whether or not they, you know, they want to have that kind of policy there. I think the biggest thing is like no matter kind of how you scramble the words up 
And we get this kind of kickback all the time when it comes to like the driving apps, right? You kind of, you have this app on your phone, it tracks your driving, you get a discount now, you get a discount on renewal. Like it makes sense. Like I want a discount. Like if I can save money, great, sign me up. But I think a lot of people kind of have the kickback is where, well, I don't like the word tracking. And that's where I think a lot of this is going to come down to. I don't think people are going to like the tracking word that's going to be used in this situation because yes, we, right, we, right. Me and you know, me and you know all too well that realistically that they cannot track your personal movements every single day because if they were found guilty of doing this, there would be the biggest civil lawsuit in the world if companies, if uh, consumers found out that they were using your data incorrectly or improperly. But the thing is, is that people still have that negative condensation, I guess, towards the word tracking it's not a very nice word like i don't like using it either because it's like oh that that it's it's already seen as a negative right so i think that's where where you're gonna have a lot of pushback from consumers is that it's basically putting in another tracking system in your vehicle that you have no control of that's i think that's where you're gonna see a lot of kickback from people and i've talked to you know what i've actually talked to a few other brokers and again, like in my groups and stuff. And I have friends that work for other companies and stuff. And they've said kind of the same thing. Like they get like 50% of their clients have no issues with it because it's, they're trying to like obviously prevent this from happening. But you get the other 50% that are like, oh, well, there's another tracking system I had to put in my vehicle and you guys are seeing everything I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. Um, so I like personally, I think it's just, it's going to just come down to the client realistically, like how they feel about this kind of, procedure being put into place to kind of try to help the overall general consumers out there but also kind of bring it all back to oh well i don't know if i want to be have a tracking system in my vehicle all the time well that was i mean that that's been a a, one of the biggest talking points i think with respect to um you know, the telematics devices and the different programs that are now widely available from insurance companies for monitoring certain aspects, right, James? Like the telematics programs available right now, for those that are maybe not aware, is certain insurance companies have programs where if if they have your your phone uh, and you're driving, you can kind of turn it on or off and it'll, it'll track, you know, um, acceleration, times of driving, um, sudden braking, distracted driving, and a few other things, depending on which company you're with. And the whole idea or the premise behind that was to provide you an initial discount to start the policy along with further uh, discounts, or I guess further, maybe what I want to say here, um, that discount can obviously increase to a higher percentage depending on how those driving habits are for like, you know, six months to a year. And again, this varies based on the insurance company. So it's, it's very generalized. But that was the the tracking portion of that. So tracking that data while you're driving was always viewed as like a, you know, big brother's kind of watching me. Is it used in a claims example or is it not? There's kind of those things behind the scenes that I think the average person is a little bit concerned with, right? Some people don't care. Some love it because they're saving a ton of money and they drive very safely. And there's always going to be, James, a person on both sides, of that conversation, right? There's no right or wrong answer. That I think equates the exact same way to what something like a tag program or similar 
will do down the road as well, right? If a lot of insurance companies get on board and you don't have the really ability of shopping, right? The same way where all companies have a similar program where you have to at some point take a little bit of more onus on the theft component, that's going to be a different thing. Because if it's, if it's industry-wide, you know, right? as a consumer, you have to almost just say, yeah, I don't, might not even agree with this change, but it's coming, right? It's happening, right? So there's there's different ways that it's going to be viewed in, until it's rolled out right across the board, I guess is my final thought on that. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. That's when it becomes almost political, right? If it becomes like an industry standard and it almost makes it not a free market for consumers to go to where they want and this kind of stuff. I'm well, all for, yeah. I'm all for making changes like this and whatnot, but I also I'm 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 a big believer in you got to make it free for clients to explore options and not just almost push them into a corner and basically force a decision on them, right? I, I'd, I, like for me, like we live in a democracy and I don't want to get political about it, but we, it, there needs to be free decision-making for a consumer. And if, if you don't want to do something, then we should, like they should be able to go in somewhere else and you know what, not have to deal with that decision, right? I'm not saying it's right. Yeah. I'm not saying it's wrong, but like I just, like I said, from a, from a co- consumer standpoint, that should be made, um, basically as a consumer's decision at the well, end. Well, you know what, well, we got a long way to go on that. This is this is something brand 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 new. I mean that we I literally just learned about over the last week. Um so I mean there's going to be way more info coming on the pipeline. There's probably going to be a lot more in terms of how it's rolled out by different companies and then even that I feel like it always takes you know, potentially even years, James, to become like the norm. Nothing like this happens overnight and is rolled out by every insurance company in a matter of six months. It doesn't happen like that. They don't have yeah, they don't have the resources to do that. And you'll see more companies are going to jump on too. Like if Aviva and Intact, the two biggest insurance companies or one of the biggest insurance companies in Canada are doing it. And again, other direct writers are doing it as well. It's only going to be a matter of time where other companies are going to go, oh, they're doing this we probably should jump on board and do it as well, right? It's just, it's a domino effect. Once one company does it, other companies do the same thing. It was the same with telematics. One company did it, and then everyone kind of did their own thing with it. They brought out their different kind of version of it, or they did, they added more discounts, so they were more competitive with other companies. So it's, like I said, it's a domino effect. When one company does it, everyone else is going to probably jump on board sooner rather than later. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? Every company will do its own thing, uh, just like the same way that consumers will, right? So if if those type of options are, I guess, mandatory or maybe highly suggested, at least we're in a great place still where somebody can say, you know what, I'm not on board with with having things monitored. I still have a high value vehicle, but maybe uh, an alternative insurance company doesn't view mine as as risky in the theft portion, right? Because the reality is every company doesn't view vehicles the same ways. And that's the one good thing still for clients. Yeah. And I would say just kind of ending it off, like before we kind of go into our uh, synopsis, I would say is um, just do your own due diligence, like making sure that you're not like leaving your vehicle out as a target of theft. Like I still hear people all the time, like, oh, I leave my keys in my car. And I'm like, why? Why do you do that? Like, that's that's so silly. But like, yeah, just use use your own kind of. Use your own brain when you're doing this. Don't leave your keys in the vehicle. Don't leave valuables in the vehicle in plain sight that people can 
can see and want to break in or, or, or steal, right? Like if you have a garage, preferably, I know everyone doesn't want to park in the garage. Sometimes we just kind of use it and it's all cluttered in there. Just kind of another place to store all junk. But if you have a garage, potentially use your garage, put it in there because if I'm a that or a thief, there's no way I'm going to break into a, a garage to steal your vehicle. Like there's just, there's no chance. I'd rather just go and take one that's off the road. Right. So I would just say use your due diligence and just obviously make good decisions and not leave your vehicle as a target of theft any higher than it already needs to be. Yeah. I mean, nowadays, I guess my kind of little quick synopsis point that I would say is that just in general, I think video camera recording, whether it's um, on your on your home or you know parking lots, there's so many different places now that have recordings, which is so so great actually with respect to like being able to capture incidents. I mean, theft is always going to happen, but um, there's obviously ways to offset that as much as possible. And unfortunately, if you have a vehicle that um, thieves deem as being highly valuable for, let's just say, overseas, because it feels like that's what happens with these cars, that's what articles at least at least um, allude to um it, it, i mean you, you hope that it doesn't happen to yourself right but the reality is like we just said what, what was the stat it was like one every six minutes in canada james is what yeah, the number one, is right now yeah that's what tag is so on tags website literally on their homepage, it says um on average a car is stolen every six minutes in canada that's from that's literally from the insurance bureau of canada actually yeah that, that, that's actually crazy when you when you break that down that's actually crazy to think of how how often that happens yeah it's, well, what is that? What has that been like? Something like seven or eight vehicles have been stolen just since we've recorded this this episode. Yep, in Canada, so <laughs> it's it's a large number. But like <clears> I said, there's gonna there's gonna have to be combatants on every front. Like the government governments are gonna have to get involved. Personally, I I think manufacturers are probably gonna have to get involved as well. And then obviously the insurance companies have to do something to obviously help their consumers, where it's not just um, it's not just the insurance companies paying for it every single time. They obviously need to be profitable. Like every business needs to be profitable. So they can't be paying out six, seven, $800 million in just theft claims every single year. And you know what, if this, as our, as my little plug, if that wasn't, you know, enough of an episode on why having your, you know, fire and theft or, or comprehensive as the, as the term goes, is an important coverage to have on a policy. I don't know. I don't know what else I could tell you that that tells you that it should be. Literally, because in the event of you not having comp coverage and your vehicle stolen, unfortunately, we have to have that conversation where, yeah, your car is stolen and we're not paying for anything because we just you didn't have that coverage on there, right? So, I would say for my synopsis, I would just say make sure you have the right coverage. But again, like I think a lot of times too, like they're really talking about these higher end vehicles probably newer models like i don't really see a 1990 ram 1500 being stolen that all that often it's probably going to be the newer ones that are really high in value and people want so but again you're it's always a talking point with us make sure you have the right coverage and if you don't know if you honestly don't know obviously talk to your trusted agent or broker or reach out to us and we can definitely give you guys a review and you know, be honest and say, you know what, this is either great or you need to kind of make some few minor tweaks and, and changes here and there on your policy. So it's never, it's never, don't think it's a silly questioning because it's usually not. 
Absolutely not. Yeah, we always want to be here for everyone. I pride myself in in trying to get back to people as quick as possible and give the most ex- most experience. And uh, I think the one negative thing in our industry is that you know every maybe broker or agent is trying to sell you. I'm trying to hopefully kill that stigma. You know, one uh, one client at a time is <laughs> one client at a time is what I'm trying to do. Amen to that. But actually, I was gonna tell. I was gonna kind of say this before we we started. But I actually wanted to um, say this is our one year anniversary. Yesterday actually was our one year anniversary. That was last year, May ninth was our first episode we ever posted. Oh, there we go. So I didn't realize that. What 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 a time. I know. I just, I actually logged on the other day. I was checking all of our stats and it popped up. It said, Oh, happy one year anniversary. And I'm like, Oh, we posted our first episode, May, May 9th of last year. So, uh, we've been doing this officially for a year now. And I love it. 30, I don't know, 30 plus episodes later. Here we are, right? I love it. I hope, I hope everyone that's been along for that ride has enjoyed some of it. I know it can seem, uh, insurance isn't always the most, um, entertaining of topics but for two guys that work in the business we love it yep and again we appreciate anyone tuning in every week uh i always say we post every tuesday 12 p.m eastern standard time so if you haven't already make sure you subscribe or follow whatever streaming service you are on just so you guys get the notifications whenever we post but like i said we appreciate it it's been a it's been a great year uh, I know we did take a few breaks here and there throughout that time, so we probably could have had a few more episodes out. But yeah, I'm just really looking to to hit that 50 mark, and then obviously every kind of milestone after that, Mike. So I'm just really, really happy and obviously appreciative to anyone that's kind of tuned in throughout that time. Absolutely. But thank you guys for tuning in this week again, as always, and we'll check you next week on the Broker Breakdown.